My name is Aaron McManus, and you're listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. I am here with my dad, and you said something to me recently that I wanted <laughs> I want to dig in on. Okay, and I was watching Billions, the the season finale, and there's I, I posted a poll last night, and then I took it off because. I didn't really care what other people thought about this. <laughs> I put a poll saying, like, what's better, Billions or Succession? And one's on so- Showtime, the other one's on HBO. Oh, no, Succession won. No, actually, Billions was winning at the time. And then okay. I deleted it. I thought I- maybe the reason you didn't care is because you hate Succession. I don't you, hate you Succession. Billions I, don't, to win. <laughs> I don't hate Succession. I don't hate it. I just don't like it. I'm, mm-hmm. four, I'm four episodes in and I'm bored. Like, so bored. The most interesting thing that's happened is like the dad thinks the office is a bathroom and then pees in the bathroom. And you have a weird thing about that because like sociopaths like to pee on things. Uh, yeah, it's an act of dominance. Like yeah. Steve Jobs is like written in a book. Yeah. That he has done it. Like, a, But I would say this. The guy is old. He, I don't think yeah. he knew that he was being in an office. <laughs> he thought it was no, he absolutely knew. I think he could have made it. It was, it it was, was, his, was it, his son's office too. When it, his son was trying was. to run the company. It was. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, but here's and the thing. I don't people like that. So that's you, a scary thing. That pee in weird places, or that try to uh, have acts of dominance. Can I give you one quick example? Sure. And then I, I want to talk about the quote that you told. Because I, I I knew a pastor who was um, borderline sociopath. Oh gosh. And what he would always do is he would take a bite of something and try to force you to take a bite of it after he took a bite of it. And I would, I you know, I'm kind of a, a germ guy, so I you know I would never do it. And one time I saw him tried to force my brother to do it. And I watched my brother exert his power and say, I am never going to eat after you. And, the, and it made him so angry. And I realized, because I watched him do it with other people, and I realized that oh, this is one of the ways he dominates, is that he eats food and then he, he puts it to your face and makes you take a bite. And it's, I would it's, spit on that person. It's an act of dominance. I would actually spit and on that person. So I was in a meeting once with like 20 uh, national leaders Everyone was seated in a circle. How long ago is this? A while back. How long's a while? Um, 30 Two years. decades? Okay. Right, 30 so years. This guy is no longer in the ring. In the picture. Okay. And, uh, and, and so 20 I'm people- like going through my brain being like, who's made me eat after them? <laughs> 20 people sitting in a room, 20 people sitting in a room, and they're all trying to negotiate. It's like a United Nations kind of meeting. He stands of up. Baptists. He stands up and stands behind the chair. And- then the moment there was a break in like a pause, he starts talking and he never sits down. And I realized, oh, he stood and got behind the chair so that he could have a positional dominance over everyone in the room. And as I, and I knew him fairly well as I knew these other individuals. And I started to ask him, hey, was that instinctive or did, was that strategic? And I just kept asking him, every time I watched him do something very sociopathic, a pee in the office uh, kind of moment, I would say, was that your instinct or was that or was that a conscious strategy? Right. And I was amazed how many times when I exposed it, he would acknowledge it was a conscious strategy. But early on in his life, who was it, this person? It was it was instinctive. He he knew how to dominate. That's insane. That yeah. is actually insane. I was just gonna talk about billions. Um, <laughs> Which is why is, those shows are interesting sometimes, because they actually give you um shadow shadows into real human personalities. I only use the restroom in the restroom. Good. <laughs> or the ocean sometimes because you have to when you surf. <laughs> All right, but billions in succession. You're talking about 
You you've said this thing to me recently because we have very different work styles. Yes. I I we have different <laughs> I don't like saying this. We have different decision making styles. I make decisions. I can make fast decisions when it comes to like if it's an event or if it's something that's already mm-hmm. we're getting there and there's a timeline we have to get there. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like if you leave me to my own devices, <laughs> I'm slow. <laughs> I'm slow. I am slow. I really think and I think about it and I go back and forth and I go back and forth and I keep going back. I'm slow. Uh, another word for it might be indecisive. No, I'm decisively <laughs> slow. <coughs> and I would say that you're slow because you second guess yourself. I'm going to fire everyone in that booth <laughs> when we're done. Starting with the one who's peeking over the I think, freaking I think we window. should turn on the sound in there because they're all laughing. <laughs> Where's Austin? Here, I would say the thing that you have in common, you two, is that you're both intense. Yeah, but I'm not as intense as he is. Uh, no. no, that's not true. <laughs> ah, the truth. The tr- you're turning red. The truth. <laughs> the truth. No, no, no. Truth, okay, no. Wait, wait, wait. We're live. We're, we're, we're not going to edit this, okay? But um, would you say that I'm I'm as intense, or would you say that you're more nervous even when I'm not as intense? I would say, I would say Aaron can be a little a little sharp. You're not as sharp. Shh. Right. <laughs> no, that, that, that <laughs> right, right, right. I would say I'm not sharp. <laughs> okay, hold on. We I have been say... fighting for four days, and you have been sharp. I had to go to you and ask you, did I do something wrong that I, I didn't know you're, about? You're a great white and I'm a porpoise. <laughs> what do you t- I don't know what that means. I don't like your animal metaphors at times. <laughs> you are sharp. No one sees it. Well, then if no one sees it, does it? Does the tree make a sound in the forest? <laughs> no, yes, it does. Yes. Because yes. Go, we all know the tree is falling. We just don't know what it sounds like. If you take us. a walk in the forest and the tree's standing, then you go. You go eat a protein bar. You jump in the river. Then you go back, and the tree's on the ground. It made it sound. You just didn't hear it. You're sharp. And just because someone else didn't witness you being sharp to me doesn't mean the tree didn't fall on my face. We believe you, Aaron. All right, let's go back. All right, so it's about, we're really going to talk about whether- I would like to go back if you're scarier or not. We're going to talk about whether it's more strategic to make fast decisions or slow decisions. So just for the record, you are more intense than I am. I am just more willing to show other people how intense I am. And you are- wiser about who sees your intensity i am a mature version of me of intensity <laughs> and, and all right so Tess sent us a quote wait, wait hold on we had a great moment though on sunday because i <laughs> on saturday night mm-hmm. like so i'm not gonna say what it was but it had to do with kevin which is like one of our guys kevin pena kevin elisa tells kevin hit up aaron kevin didn't hit me up so i reached out to kevin and Kevin goes, yeah, your dad told me to wait for you, <laughs> to, for you to tell me what's going on. So I tell him, hey, ask my dad because I can't figure out what he wants. He asks you, and I don't hear anything back. So then I call you, what do you want? No, just tell Kevin. No, you tell Kevin. Because you told me you were going to be my guy this weekend. <laughs> and then you told me you wanted <laughs> Kevin. All right. So, but that's, that's more too specific. Who's indecisive? All right. No. Here, here's, here's the quote uh, from um, Smarter, Faster, Better by Charles Duhigg. 
says, when people rush toward decisions simply because it makes them feel like they're getting something done, missteps are more likely to occur. Now, in the statement, I want you to notice he says simply because it makes them feel like they're getting something done. So it's not about rushing to a decision. It's about rushing to a decision so that you feel like you're getting something done, which can make it it's seem a false like false illusion of accomplishment. Yeah. And uh, very, very much so. And I can see, I can see people make that mistake over and over again. Right. But that doesn't mean making fast decisions is unwise. And that making slower decisions is more wise. There's this, there's this interesting dynamic in decision-making. Yeah. Uh, I'll use a couple of different assessments. One in the strength finder, there's a, a strength called deliberative. It used to be called cautiousness, but they had to change it. And, um, I actually knew when we first did the Strength Finder, two leaders that worked with me, that their number one strength was cautiousness. Do they still work for you? No. <laughs> and, uh, now, here's well, the here's dilemma. I people. get fired at the end of this episode. <laughs> Here, here's the dilemma of people who are deliberative. Please tell me. They're always right 100% of the time. Okay. And so you think, oh, then that's the person you're running your organization. Do they apologize? No, no, they're always right. No, but do they apologize? When no. they're, when they're proven, because they're not always right. So they always no, no, believe no. they're right. No, no, let me explain. Okay. See, when you're, when you're highly deliberative, you never make a decision until you have a hundred percent of the information. Ah. So you're always right because you never make a decision until it's a hundred percent knowable. Okay. The problem is that they're always right. They're just never on time. Because money loves speed, if you're looking at it from a business so they, they perspective. They vote after the election. That's right. Okay. They, they, no, that's exactly that right. Sense. They vote okay. after the election. So they're always right. Okay. And so they don't realize that, that being 100% right doesn't make you a leader. It doesn't make you a better leader. It doesn't even make you an effective leader. And, and so part of the dilemma is like I worked with two of these people and I need about two to 5% of the information to make a decision. They need 100% of the information. So they were always right, or when you don't have enough information. And I go, well, that's right. But if I wait until I have enough information for you, the opportunity is going to be gone. Right. And so if you're moving fast to a decision just to feel like you're doing something, you're incredibly unwise. Okay. But if you're moving slow because you're afraid to be wrong, you're, 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 in, you're going to be incredibly irrelevant because the paralysis of indecision is going to hold you back. Yeah. And so part of the challenge, and one of the things I told you was, your first instincts are really good. Like you spent the last 20 years developing and refining certain instincts. And uh, like your artistic instincts are really, really good. Your design instincts are extraordinary. Your your instincts for um, for color and font and like uh, for patterns, you just have a really good instinct. But you don't trust your instincts. You 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 do at first, and, th and then you second guess yourself. Okay. And then you third guess and fourth guess and fifth guess, and you'll give like ten different options, and then all of a sudden you're cycling through a universe and. And then you come back and you almost always go back to your first decision and it cost us three weeks. Yeah. Or three months or three months. Yeah. Or 30 years now, 33 years old. And, and what happens though, is that when you come back the next time you have much more information to let you know you're right. So instead of trusting your instincts, 
you trust your information. And what I'm saying is every time that information validates your early instincts, you should log that so that you have more confidence in your intuition. You're like your calibrating instincts. your ability to trust your own instincts. Yeah. And, and if you process a lot of information, you realize, oh, wow, my instincts were off. Or wow, my, my, you know, my intuition was off. Then adjust your intuition. Go, okay, why was it off? What, what pulled it off? What, what did I miss? And because, you know, a, a lot of my friends and I get to hang and, and invest and mentor a lot of guys who are incredibly successful economically, way more than I've ever been. And, um, and you see that they're, um, they have a, there's an overwhelming pattern that they move fast. They, and, and it's almost like this theme that money loves speed, that um, if you're too indecisive, if you're too cautious, if you wait too long, you're going to miss out on, on great opportunities in life. And, and so I, I, I have this, um, we have the assessment, assessment called the Berkman. And I have this pattern on the Berkman when it talks about thought, how much time it takes you to make a decision. And so I have what's called a reversal on it. No I one's going to understand this. Okay. Well, I'm going to explain it. Because, explain it first and then, it, and sure. then unwrap it. On the Berkman, it gives you different uh, attributes, the way you engage the outside world and the way right. you relate to uh, choices in life and so, everything. So if you were to look at like a personal a personality, like aptitude test, like mm -hmm. you would start with fortune cookies. Fortune cookies would be the beginning. And then you go into like, and then you go into like, uh, what is it called? What's the witchcraft thing that everybody reads in the, the paper? Oh, the anagram? No, no, no. <laughs> That's what I thought too. <laughs> uh, oh, no. oh, astrology. No, those are the mushroom eaters. Uh, astrology. But sometimes astrology is weirdly right. Super true. It's weird. I, I'm not down. I'm not down. like if you're listening to this, we have not gone to Burning Man and back. But like, I'll, I people will be like, well, "What's your astrology?" and and the, you know, and, or what's your sign? And I'll be like, "My sign is like stop. Sign is stop. Stop. I'm a stop sign. That's what my, that is relevant to this episode. It is actually, very relevant so to then it would be like astrology, and then you go like um, the what would it be the the Myers Briggs, the ENFP, ENTP, IN, yeah. INTJ. There's all kind like the disc and then the Myers the Briggs disc, and the and Strength you go, Finder. You know, Enneagram is the new one, mm -hmm. and then you go Strength Finder, and then you'd go the Berkman is like the Matrix. <laughs> like you go red pill, blue pill. But you really have to have someone who who can understand. Can, like understand it actually takes too. a consultant. So anyway, so there's this one um, attribute, a massively in-depth, yeah, personality that, that's test. called thought, yes. and it's about how fast you make decisions. What's mine? Uh, you um, have nice. you have a very high number on thought, which means you're incredibly deliberative. You're a bully and, <laughs> and cautious in your decision you're making. A bully. Now, what's interesting <laughs> with mine is I I make decisions super super fast. Yes, and but I have what's called this reversal. It means that under stress, I slow down and make decisions really slow. And what that has allowed me to do, and that's sort of the composition of a lifetime of experiences, I move really fast because I recognize patterns. Because, uh, and frankly, a lot of intelligence is about recognizing patterns. A person who is seen as unintelligent, they see the same pattern over and over again, and they look at it as if they've never seen it before. And a person who has more intelligence recognizes the patterns in life situations. Can you be super smart in one area and really, un can you be really intelligent and really wise in one area and really unintelligent in others? Yeah, you can be, let's say, really smart in design and really dumb in dating. Because I think I, mm. <laughs> so, I'm I just almost, picking two I things. almost swore. <laughs> <laughs> that one like really hit me deep. That was like when Brutus 
got Julius Caesar in the back. A2, big time. So, but here's the thing. You have to learn how to make fast decisions when it comes to recurring patterns. You have to be able to identify, I've been here before, I've been here before, I've been here before, I've done this before, I've seen this before, I know what to do. And you have to build that intuition and that instinct. And then when you're seeing something new or something different or something unexpected, that's when you have to slow down and go, I don't want to make a fast decision because there are factors here that I've never seen before. So I want to take time to process this. And so I would say it's both fast and slow, but it's fast the, um, as the norm, not slow as the norm. And the problem is a lot of people are slow as the norm and then fast in crisis. They're, they're slow. That's me. Yeah. And yeah. so what ends up happening is you end up going slow. So you have to go super fast because you waited so long. Okay. And it's like cramming for a test, but it's life. Right. <laughs> and uh, saying, no, 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 go super fast so that when the really big issue comes, the big crisis, the big challenge, you, you have enough time to slow down and look at it carefully. But when in crisis, that's when I thrive. You're very not, good in crisis. I don't need time to think in crisis. I like no. my instincts are are the are the most honed in in crisis. Yes, but I'm gonna say a little differently. It's not that you don't need time. It's that um, you don't have time. And no, 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 no. You you've always you used to give this message where you talked mm -hmm. about like hockey hockey the, the best yeah. hockey goalies can actually slow down the puck in their mind mm -hmm. when when life is like bad like when life is mm -hmm. really bad and there's lots of crisis for some reason everything slows down for me. Yes, but listen to I'm me. like. Like I'm like in like Marvel when like uh, Ant Man is that his name? And he's like touching things. He's like poof, and he like they blow away. Yeah, but listen like, to the nuance. Okay, you think you nuance. don't need time in crisis. You don't have time in crisis, so you have to act fast. You actually don't need time in non-crisis. You just and what realize. What I'm telling you is that my superpower <laughs> only works when I have no time. <laughs> no, what I'm telling you is that superpower is always there, but when you have plenty of time. You second guess that superpower. You could make decisions just as decisively without the crisis. You're like the quarterback that only plays great in the two minute in the scramble. I'm Johnny Manziel. <laughs> no, don't be Johnny Manziel. You have a, you have, I know I'm not. Yes, Aaron, I have a question for you. Would oh. you say that you create crisis for yourself? You know what? You're Boom. definitely getting fired if you do this. No, this no, I'm We've asking. Been for eight years, this is it. The last. Day. By the way, that is the genius of Mr. Tess Roy, because do I create crisis? And I will answer that for him. The answer no, is no. This question was not for <laughs> you. I would say this though. No, no. Okay, let's see how much self awareness you have. Of course, I do. <laughs> That's the problem with people who only excel in crisis is that they actually create crises so they can excel. And what I'm saying is take the skills that you have in crisis and learn how to apply them without putting us all in so crisis. I'll ask you, so wait, hold on, I'll ask you a question. Okay. When you feel like there's not enough for you to do, do you create so much work for other people to do that you drown other people in work? My gift is to, is to create work for people. No, 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 no. My contribution to the no, world. No, no, I would ask, I would ask you. Are you, because I would say this though, because your leadership style is, I'm going to create a hundred projects mm -hmm. and maybe they'll get 10 done. And I, but that really, I only wanted 10. <laughs> I don't hear anyone in the booth over there because they're scared. I would say that they is can, they correct. That's correct. So what I, is that? What would you consider that be? Because I would say this, like you, are you embarrassed now? No. I saw that look. No, are I was going to answer. 
Because like, let's say mm. last December, uh-huh. I was already, we were already buried in work. Right. And you started decided to, you started to, uh, to you decided to start a company, which you're wearing a, but I, a new thermal. I started, no, no, I'm talking here. <laughs> you, I'll let you talk for literally 20 minutes. Uh, you, we make, we made this thermal. We're going to print on it, make it cool, mm-hmm. even more cool. But last December, you decided to make a bunch of stuff. And then you were like, hey, it's, you need to build a website. You need to market this. You need to figure out how to shoot it and all these things and get it on the website and then do, do all this. You have three weeks. Well, I actually started in July. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying the part where you handed it off to me and said, good luck. <laughs> that was close to Christmas. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what inside of you decided to make that decision? <laughs> <laughs> wow, the booth is over there laughing. Because I, I, my favorite memory of last like Thanksgiving was I went to sleep at 4 a.m. because we have an ama- he, we have an amazing web guy who owns an amazing web company, and right. his, his name's Ross, and he's the he's a genius, mm-hmm. but he also lives in Moldova. Mm-hmm. He's in he's not here. Monrovia, but not Moldova. Monrovia, which is east of LA. <laughs> There's in Moldova, so what, our times to talk are like mm-hmm. late at night or early in the morning, mm-hmm. and it's it gets so Thanksgiving. I, w- I went to sleep at like four in the morning and he was like, yo, dude, you need to go to sleep or your mom's going to kill you. And I was like, literally, my mom is going to kill me if I'm not up helping her cook. And then I'm up on the computer uploading product to the website. And mom is like yelling at you, being like, you did this. You ruined our family. You destroyed Thanksgiving. This is my son's favorite holiday. You don't love us. What, what made you decide to do it? First of all, it wouldn't be that you like creating crisis. Uh, no, but I, um, like this morning at around three o'clock, I really wanted to send emails and texts to several people to help work get done. But I was worried that their phones were on ping and that if I sent it, they would be awakened at 3.30. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I th- yes, I um, in the same way that you might create crisis so that you can excel in those crises. Dig deep, pull it out. Dig deep. <laughs> I create work and work that might be what crisis. No, no, no. I don't create crisis. No, uh, you cause the crisis. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I think that one thing is that um, there probably isn't a day that goes by where I feel where I, where I don't feel lazy. There isn't a day I, that goes by where I don't feel like I've underachieved. And so I, I find myself with this internal drive to, to find a way to live up to my responsibility and live up to my potential. Um, and so I do live with this like haunting sense of I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. I need to create more. And, and then I, you know, I am getting like, I am growing older. So I, I do have this even more profound sense, but I had it in my, when I was in my twenties that I don't have enough time to do everything I want to create. So I do have this intense drive. You have this funny thing about you. where like <laughs> only recently you'd be like, man, I'm getting older. I'm like, no, dog, you were like this 15 years ago. I just have to deal with it now. It's now me that has to do <laughs> You'd be like, oh, my knee hurts. And I'm like, yeah, no, your knee hurt because you blew it out playing football when you were 18. Mm-hmm. And you'll like blame little things like that, or you'd be like, "Man, I just like don't sleep. I worked all night." And I'm like, "I'm like, no, you didn't sleep before. Like, it, you've always been like this." Yeah, yeah. I just, um, I'm a, I'm a really driven person. You are really driven, and and I understand that I create a lot of 
there's a lot of wake through my what, what, actions. What do you mean wake? <laughs> and, uh, Paint the picture for us. The wake of a the I, wake of the Titanic before it hit the glacier. I affect a lot of people mm. by the with things I create. Can I get an amen, Austin? But I would also say that um, a lot of people wouldn't have jobs if I Can didn't I get an amen. Everybody in the booth, amen, amen. And, uh, if I didn't create the things I created, there there'd be more unemployment. And uh, and, uh, and I also think that people. There was a moment last, I mean, I told you that in the summer, I was like, I would rather go wash dishes now. I have too many jobs. No, see, and that's the other thing. See, because I don't believe that. I think you'd be miserable washing dishes. I think I was. I, I think a part of what I am able to do is because I have so many interests and because I push toward creative endeavors, I create space for other really creative people to have a place to create as well. You do. You because really do. I can't create the things that are in my imagination by myself. No. You know, and uh, and and so in, in that sense, you know, I feel a little bit more like Andy Warhol, you know, where you have. You create two people. Yeah. Okay. So can we do some practicals yeah. real quick? Sure. Okay. So I'd, so what I'm hearing him conclude is that he is like me. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, first of all, I'm older than you, and I gave you birth, or your mother did. So would you say so you're you would, similar? You to would be more like me. I would not be more like you. <laughs> Let's just get the order correct. Okay. So okay, how do you make? Okay, so you said money is speed. How do you? How, if you're a slow person, and desire to be a faster person, or maybe you're a slow person and you've created an entire, you've everything around you, you've built to be slow, so you don't even know that you're slow. Yeah, but you are now becoming awakened to the reality that other things around you are moving faster than you. How do you adjust? Yeah, first of all, let me expand the statement because uh, some of you aren't driven to make money. Momentum loves speed. So if you want to create any momentum in your life in any arena, it loves speed. Momentum okay. loves speed. Okay. And I, I think first of all, like a, a pastor one time was from like Idaho when there was like a few hundred people in the town he was from. And he came to me complaining about his church and how slow they move and how slow they are in their decision-making. And I remember sitting down with him and saying, hey, you chose a town of 3,000 people. Yeah. You love slow. Quit pretending that your church is different than you. Yeah. The reason you chose that church and you chose that town and that chose that part of the country is because that's actually the speed at which you're comfortable. And so really all you need to do is move one step faster than your people. Yeah. Moving 10 steps faster doesn't help you, you know, because leadership is about moving people forward. Yeah. And, and so I think some of it is you have to ask yourself, what exactly do I want to advance? Yeah. What do I, what, what do I want to make better? You, you know, not just bigger. What do what, you know, what do I, uh, what do I want to grow? Right. And then, um, and then the way I mitigate this is I go, I don't want to do the highest risk thing because the highest risk thing oftentimes does not have the highest reward. And I don't want to do the lowest risk thing because that usually does actually have like no reward. And so I look for this combination, lowest risk with highest reward. And when I can find that balance, and there is a balance where you go, oh, wow, if I take this, like let's say it's 80% risk, but it may only, but it may give me 65% return. But here's one, oh, look, it's 70% risk, but it gives me 63% return. Yeah. I'm going, oh, this is way better. 
because I'm lowering the risk and still increasing the return. And I would say that that's a part of the way you have to think in anything you do. Yeah. And if you're only choosing the low risk, it's just like with investments. You know, when you, Kim and I, we would have different investments. So when we would decide how to invest our money, I would choose things that were low risk, low reward for her so that her money would be there in case I died and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. But she really wasn't making much. The bank was making money on her money, but she wasn't really making much money on her money. Right. And then the money that I invested for me, it was high risk and high reward. Right. And uh, so far, all those things that I invested, high risk, high reward, I've been on the side of high reward. Okay. And I haven't lost any of that money right. along the way. But I understand that the money could be lost. And, and so you have to realize, okay, you can only risk the things you can afford to lose. Okay. Does that make sense? Right. You, you know, and uh, in that way. And so even in terms of like leading a church, and in fact, this business guy came up to me this weekend and said, you're a venture capitalist. You, you actually think and lead even the churches of venture, venture capitalists. And, and I laughed. I said, no, you're exactly right. Because I'm, I'm, I apply the same principles that I would apply in business. But, you know, because I think they're actually from the scriptures. Right. And, uh, and, and the moment you start going, okay, I'm going um, to move fast toward the places. Just look at this from a spiritual perspective. Everywhere I see God working, I'm going to move fast in that direction. And I'm going to just go fearlessly in the direction where God is moving. Yeah. And, and then if there's something where I want something to happen, but I don't see any, anything percolating. Right. I may like slowly put a little bit in to see if something might happen long term. Right. But I'm not going to put my whole life into it. Yeah. And a perfect example is, you know, we go to Mexico City. The response is instantaneous. Right. So then we invest more because we see what God is doing there. You know, and, you know, we may go somewhere else and we don't see that kind of response. So we may stay there and watch a slow burn, but we're not going to pour everything into it. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and I think that's also true in every arena of life. Uh, I just, I know that in my life, everything I've ever seen happen that was extraordinary, I moved to it with almost like reckless abandon. I moved to it with courage and faith and intensity. And the things that I was more cautious about were things actually in the end I realized I wasn't as passionate about. Right. And, and so even with like McManus Gallery, we, you know, I, we've taken such huge risks to create this new collection, to, to build this new company. And, and we've gotten a lot of criticism and a lot of critique. And at the same time, we've got a lot of love and, yeah. and, and, and yeah. a lot of people who are supportive. Uh, but in the end, I just love the fact that even like your mom, she's never for one second even worried about how much I'm investing because she goes, this is what you're created to do. I just love that you're passionate about this. But people aren't like that though. Most people no. aren't like that. No, what I'd say is find one thing you care about enough to risk for. Yeah. And, and start giving your life in that direction. So my first question was, if you're slow, how do you move fast? And you, I liked what you said. <laughs> if you're slow, how do you... No, let's see. Is there anywhere else we could go with this? Any ideas in the booth? If you're slow and you decide you want to be in a faster-paced environment... And so you go to a faster paced environment. Um, how do you, do you hang on for dear life? <laughs> do you try to catch up? Um, is it possible to change to match it? Or do you just sort of enjoy the ride and try not to slow them down? That's actually an interesting question. And 
Uh, I mean, I think, first of all, if you're slow and you want to go fast, you have to start incrementally. Just don't try to go super fast. Yeah. Uh, just increase your speed yeah. a little at a time. Yeah. And a lot of times we fail because once we get a hold of something, we want to go extreme. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going, no, no, no. If you've been slow all your life, just incrementally increase your speed. Right. And then get around people who move a little faster than you mm -hmm. and let the speed of their life help you begin to move faster. What, what is it called when uh, you're, you're behind another bike and you're putting on the, the, the stream of that bike? I, I don't even know. but but Because um, whoever's um, in the lead bike has the most wind resistance. You're, but I mean, in Formula One, they call it, you're getting a tow. Yeah. You're getting and towed by so, the, the car in front of you. So if you're, a little slow, if you're slow, get around someone a little faster than you and just let, let get behind them. Get behind them and let their toe pull you and you'll start moving a little faster along the way. Secondly, I think good leaders who do move fast understand that most people <laughs> don't move as fast as them and that's why they're the leader. Yeah. And so they have to help people move slower in a fast system. Mm and recognize that not everyone moves at the same speed. And uh, Brooke was asking that question, you know, do you just hang on for dear life? Do you, do you, you know, do you, how do you move faster? And here's what I would say, Brooke, is that um, some people have a an ability to have sustained speed. Yeah. Most people can be fast in spurts. And so I would say is choose your spurts where you're needed to be fast on the team and then realize then you got to slow down, catch your breath, and then choose your next spurt and move fast and then catch your breath and use your speed spurts strategically to help their organization. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and that's, and that's what I think you would need to do. Cause um, I need to do no, not you. I mean, I've definitely people, never been criticized for leading slowly. No, no, I wasn't saying you, I meant yeah. we're talking to people who are moving slow and need to learn how to move faster. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Right. I would say this, identify that you are not, fast yes and get out of the way and be an encouraging like uh pillar in that organization because mm -hmm. not everyone in the organization has to always be moving fast you don't need to move fast mm -hmm. it does just, just be faithful just be foundational mm -hmm. right but yeah. get out but get off the car so like la last last closing arguments closing thoughts um is it okay to have seasons of different speeds? Or is, because it feels oftentimes that your speed is only fast. Mm -hmm. But are there other moments where you're, you're taking time for yourself and you're slowing things down for you mm -hmm. and family and X, Y, Z? Or do you feel like it, your only mode is fast and speed is the only thing that, 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 that um, I don't know, inspires you? Yeah, no, I think you do have to have times you slow down. Um, it's interesting. You had to me two insights, and they're both so easily illustrated through F1 racing. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're not fast, but you still love F1, become a mechanic, not the driver. Right. Like be on the team. Yeah. That, but help the people who move fast move fast, rather than insisting on being the driver. Almost all of the managers mm -hmm. of the teams, like the bosses, yeah. say, "I became." a manager because I wasn't quick enough in the car. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. quick enough to be a racer. So I jumped on the team. And that's the problem sometimes is that if you move slow, but you still want to be the leader, you're actually more of a hindrance. And yeah. so just, you know, just realize, hey, you're still on the team, but you're the mechanic, not the driver. Yeah. And then the second thing is when you're saying, if you move fast, do you, do you always move fast or slow down? 
you know, the tricky thing when I watch F1 is that they have to stop and get gas. <laughs> They, they have to stop and have tires changed. They have to stop and get body repaired. Yeah, it's 30 seconds. And and in that process, they're losing ground. Right. And then they have to learn how to make up ground. And the, sometimes what drivers have lost because they didn't come into the pit on yeah. time. Yeah. And I think if you move super fast, and if you're a person who normally moves fast like I do, if you don't take time to get into the pit stop, you won't get to the finish line. Right. So you do have to find ways to almost discipline yourself. And the problem is that I even rest fast, right? You know, we go on vacation. I want to play paddle tennis the whole time. Or Yeah, it's like going to, it's going to camp. <laughs> like there is full programming. And, there is no there is no nothing time. And and it, I you do nothing. Time. Yeah, I have this thing where if I don't feel like I've accomplished one thing in that day, the day is like ruined for me. Yeah. And that day, it, it could be working out. It could be exercising. It could be playing paddle tennis. It could be something fun. Yeah, you know, it could be yeah. seeing a great movie, but I feel I have to feel like I accomplished something. So I don't know how to turn that part of my brain off, and so I can't really give a person advice on how to turn off the part. That of wasn't you. my question. You, you my, my question was just, well, keep going, finish. Yeah, no, but I would say is that you have to find ways to replenish, to refuel, and uh, to um, to do that. You know, the, I guess with the the language that it would be to have self care, so you can keep moving fast. Okay. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's fair. Okay. All right. So move episode. fast and slow. Move fast and slow. And and move faster and faster in the places where you're once slow because you realize you're learning and growing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. oh, and by the way, trust the places where you're able to move faster because that shows you where your unique talent is. Yeah. When you have a natural affinity or something, you start moving faster and faster naturally. Yep. Yep. Are we good? I think we're good. We're good. All right. Money loves speed, but Aaron doesn't love speed. So, and momentum loves speed. I like that episode. It took us a little bit to get here, mm -hmm. but I'm grateful that we got here. We left a lot on the cutting, on the on the floor, mm -hmm. on the editing floor today. Yeah. I just think it's important to remember that, that life always moves forward. Yeah. So if you're not moving forward, you're not really living. Mm. That's really good. Okay. Thank you for listening. So grateful. If you are listening and you're wondering what the heck is going on with the Battery Book Club, you should have gotten an email this week. We're gonna we're traveling this week, but we're gonna find some time to to do a book club and either whether it's an Instagram live or a Zoom or something. We're gonna break down the first two chapters of the Genius of Jesus. And I'm gonna jump in with Aaron on that first yes. session. Yeah. So hopefully we'll be able to lock it down in, in Seattle where we're at this week. And I'm really excited. Hey, this has been fun. Yeah, it's been super fun. I just want to say thank you to everybody who listens to the podcast, rate and review it um, on Apple Podcast. Uh, everyone who's lis listening to it on Spotify, thank you so much. And everyone who's uh, commenting on YouTube, we're really grateful. And subscribe to our Battle Ready Podcast YouTube channel and check out the Genius of Jesus podcast, the Genius of Podcast. No, oh, that's right. Breaking down different people's genius and unlocking the genius within you. Yeah? Yeah, so much fun. All right, see you next week. We love you. <laughs>